Well, we're not just NFL draft channel here at Boomer Bust. Also, the NB draft coming out this Wednesday. Max Chavik alongside Peter Clark and Taste Sigurd on another episode of Boom or Bust Draft Show. Got a friend on too, Sam Lebowitz, good friend of the show, also contributor for Mets Marized and MetsMiners.net. Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Glad to be here, guys. So before we start the video, we're going to ask you to like, subscribe for all the draft content you need. Follow our Twitter at Boom or Bust Draft. And hit the bell to turn on notifications for all the draft content that we're going to put out very, very soon. Sam, I got to ask you, though, it seems like every sport coming back from the coronavirus has a plan. The NFL has a plan. The NBA and the NHL all have plans. MLB has no plan right now. And this coronavirus not only has a big effect on the season, but also a huge effect on this upcoming draft on Wednesday. Oh, absolutely, man. This draft is kind of more or less a shell of the draft that we usually get. The MLB draft, everyone always makes a big deal about the draft. It's so long. It's 40 rounds. Who needs a draft that's 40 rounds long? Well, those people are getting more or less what they want this year. It's a five-round draft, and it's going to have these giant ramifications throughout the sport for years to come, and I'm going to talk about them a little bit. But honestly, it's just I'm making kind of a mockery of – which is my favorite event of the year. The draft is like my Christmas. I'm a Jewish guy. I don't get to celebrate Christmas. The draft, the, the thing that I circle every year on the date in early to mid-June, and I love it. Uh, and this is just kind of a disappointment to not really be able to see the 40 rounds and see where these guys kind of uh, fall. And, and all the strategy kind of goes out the wayside with just five rounds. So as you mentioned, five rounds, but we're going to do a mini mock draft here. You, you have a, a top five slotted. So the first overall pick this year goes to the Detroit Tigers, who picked fifth overall last year in 2019. They selected Riley Green, outfielder. They also have Casey Mize, Matt Manning, a pretty deep farm system. Where do you think they go with the first overall pick on Wednesday? There seems to be a pretty uh, general industry consensus with where the Tigers are going to go. It seems like a no-brainer. It's going to be Spencer Torkelson, the ASU first baseman. He's an absolute stud. He's one of the most polished college bats that we've seen come across draft boards in years. Um, he's very similar in profile to Andrew Vaughn, who the White Sox took third last year in terms of this big right-handed hitting slugging first baseman. But he's more athletic, and he's got better plate discipline than Vaughn. They both have plus hit tools in extremely elite raw power and Torkelson can hit the ball to all fields. The dude is going to be the first first baseman uh, ever to be picked one, one in this draft. And that should tell you just how good he is. He really complements the Tigers farm system. Well, right now, because they're a little heavier on the pitching side with Mize and Manning, like you mentioned, uh, they kind of need a, a, a hitter who's going to rise up through the system quickly. And Torkelson is a guy who isn't going to need all that much time in the minors this season. He's got a very polished bat, with the raw power, and the hit tool is not far behind the power. He's going to be there quickly, and he's going to be really good. And so going from the first overall pick in this year's draft, we go to the team that had the first overall pick in last year's draft, the Baltimore Orioles, who I don't know if you guys watch baseball, but he's, they're bad at baseball. They're very bad at <laughs> baseball. Um, definitely stonks down on the Orioles. Uh, no surprise here. So they're, they're the second pick this year, um, 54 to 108 last year. Like I said, bad at baseball. Um, they have Adley Rushman, who's excellent, an excellent baseball player who they selected last year with the 1-1. Uh, Sam, where are they going? So the Orioles, they're a little more interesting. It also is because this draft, I'm going to say, is loaded with talent, especially in the 1 through 10. 
and so the easy pick if you're going best player available is Austin Martin. And I do have them picking Austin Martin because, like I said, best player available for the MLB draft is usually the best strategy to take. But I want to get a little deeper with the Orioles pick because there is another direction they could take here. If they decide to cut an underslot deal with a player who is supposed to go maybe more towards the mid uh, mid first, not in the mid first, but like in the four to four to seven range, like a Nick Gonzalez type, who we'll talk about later. I think that's something they could definitely do because you got to remember who they're run by. Their GM is Mike Elias, who was in charge of the Astros scouting department for a while. In 2012, the Astros picked number one overall, and they did not pick the consensus number one overall player, which was Byron Buxton, who we know got picked second overall by the Twins. Instead, they went with a Puerto Rican shortstop who they could cut a deal with named Carlos Correa. And they did this because they were also picking later on day one with 41. And they took an expensive high school arm by the name of Lance McCullers. So they saved money with their first pick so that they could shell out a little more money for a high end end of day one type selection. And some people seem to think that Mike Elias, because he was in charge of that draft, might do the same thing here by picking a Nick Gonzalez, too, because the Orioles are picking two more times on day one. They're picking in the 30th spot and the 39th spot. So while I think they're going to go with Austin Martin, the Vanderbilt Swiss Army Knife, absolute stud, I think there's a chance we see them go with Nick Gonzalez, who we're going to talk about more later, and maybe save some more uh, money so that they could get some of those um, nice 45 future value type guys later in day one, because this draft is absolutely loaded with talent later on day one. So the two best bats probably in this draft go one, two, a couple really good arms still available though. on the Miami Marlins, pretty bad team themselves to pick top five last year as well. Sam, who do you think they take with the third overall pick? Yeah, this is uh, rounding out the pretty much the consensus top three is Asa Lacey, the Texas A&M left-hander. He's 6'4". He touches the upper 90s from the left side, but he's got really the thing that sets him apart from the rest of the pitchers in this class. Not only is he left-handed and he throws hard, he's got not one but two distinct devastating breaking pitches. He's got like a power curveball, a more traditional curveball, and then this razor blade slider that gets up in the upper velocities and the upper 80s. And he's also got a good changeup to boot. So he's got four plus pitches coming out of college. And this guy has the best pure stuff in the draft. It's a shame that I think the Marlins is going to pick him because he's going to be picking apart <laughs> Mets hitters in my in my division for years to come. This is a guy who I could also see him going as high as number one overall. That's just how good Asa Lacey is. But I think three is probably where he sits because it seems like Torkelson and Martin or are the two guys that are going to go ahead of him here. So fourth, the Kansas City Royals. Another team had some recent success in the, in the latter half, middle of the 2010s. Uh, have not been very good recently. Picked second overall last year and took a high school shortstop, Bobby Witt Jr., who was already a top 10 prospect in the entire league. But where do you think they go picking picking in the top four for the second year in a row? Well, they took uh, Bobby Witt Jr. last year. Let's talk about his possible future double play combo partner, Nick Gonzalez. We mentioned him earlier. New Mexico State, second baseman. If you're thinking about Nick Gonzalez, he's got the most easy one-to-one comp in this draft, it's Keston Hero, the Brewers' star second baseman. He is an offensive-minded second baseman. He played a lot of shortstop. He's gonna he's gonna wind up at second base. Uh, he really jumped into the top ten for this year's draft based on his performance with Wood Bats in the Cape Cod League last summer. This dude is an offensive, supercharged second baseman. He just hits. He rakes, and he's 
you know, not even one of those second basemen who's just like Whit Merrifield, like the Royals' current second baseman, who just gets his base hits. Now, this guy's going to hit for power, too. He is really, he's got a strong, compact swing. I really like the Keston Hero model for him. It's kind of exactly what he is as a, as a nice offensive second baseman who hits from the right side. He, like I said, he could go, too, to the Orioles if they want to cut that underslot value. But I think for with the Royals is, is where most people have him. It's where I have him. And staying in the AL East here to round out the top five, we had the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, who have probably my three favorite young players in Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, and Kevin Vigio, all on the same freaking team, which is incredible. Um, so, Sam, where are they going? Well, they're going to pick someone who's not the son of a former major leader, which kind of goes against the it's Blue Jays. Shocking. shocking. It's a shock. They really had a thing going. There's a few directions the Blue Jays could go here. After we get out of the top four, that's where we kind of start seeing some differentiation in where mock drafts are picking. And the Blue Jays have a couple of options here because this draft is so deep. There's a lot of talent that is going to fall in the late, you know, the, the seven to 10 range that in another year could go in that three to five range. I have them picking Zach Veen, who is the top high school uh, bat in the country. Uh, who's an absolute stud. He's a potential five-tool guy. Um, nice level swing with the potential to play center field. He's got good speed. He's got going to get good defense, and he's going to develop some nice power. But there's a couple names I just want to mention for the Blue Jays besides Veen. I think that uh, Minnesota righty Max Mayer is a guy they could go with here. He's kind of fits the same mold as a current Blue Jays top prospect, Nate Pearson. He throws in the upper 90s. He's going to touch 100. The thing about Mayer that's really interesting is that he has the uh, probably the best right-handed slider in this draft. Um, however, he's 5'10", so he's a bit of an undersized right-hander. And there's quite a bit of reliever risk for him. He might wind up as a reliever. And if he goes past the Blue Jays to a team that's a little more competitive, he might actually get fast-tracked to the majors as a reliever. And then the other guy I wanted to talk about was Emerson Hancock, who coming into this draft cycle was a guy who could have gone 1-1, but he wasn't healthy at the end of last season. He didn't pitch in the playoffs, and he didn't pitch over the summer, and he didn't come back particularly strong this spring when he pitched a little bit before the shutdown. So he's a guy who, instead of going 1-1 like he could have, is probably going to sit in the 5-10 to 10 range. Um, so those are both options for the Blue Jays here, but I think they're going to go with the high school bat. I think they're going to go with Veen. Look, Sam, I love Emerson Hancock, man. He's one of my favorite, favorite players in this draft, but obviously stonks down for him. And speaking of that, we've got a really fun segment right now. Sam's stonk market stonks. So tell me who's one player you got stonks up and who's a player you have stonks down right now for this MLB draft. All right. So we're going to start with the stonks. Up, and we're going to go to Mississippi State second baseman Justin Foskey. Justin Foskey was not really a guy that was on my radar until a couple weeks ago. And he's gone from a guy who was probably going to sneak in like end of day one, maybe top 30, which is where his double play partner, Jordan Westberg, their shortstop, is probably going to wind up. Best double play combo in the country, by the way. And now he's a guy who I've seen in some mocks as maybe a possible top 15 pick. It's kind of crazy that he's risen so fast, even though there's no games going on. The biggest thing for Foskey right now is he has uh, a very high floor. He is maybe a little limited on the ceiling side, but he's going to be a, a pretty solid contributor. He's a second baseman with really strong, solid, raw power. 
Um, he, he hits the ball to the pole side with authority. He hit 14 homers last year for Hale State. But the thing that's really helping him out right now is that it looks like he made some legitimate adjustments to his swing and to his game. There was a big leg kick he had. Scouts said that his hands were too close to his body in his swing. So he seems to have quieted his swing down and quieted his lower half down. And he only played 16 games for Hale State before the shutdown. But he OPS 973 with 15 walks in 16 games in just three strikeouts. So he's cutting down his strikeouts. He's walking more. It's a small sample size for sure, but teams seem to like the adjustments he's making. Um, and the other thing is that he's been a solid contributor in the SEC, in the best conference in college baseball for a while now. So he's done it against the high level of competition with two solid full seasons. Like I said, the 14 homers last year. Um, in terms of where I could see him going, I think the highest I could see him going is 16 to the Cubs because it seems like they might be uh, focusing in on some college bats. So I think Foskey could be in uh, play for them or maybe Garrett Mitchell, the UCLA outfielder. Um, but I think pretty much anywhere from 16 onward is where we'll see him. He'll probably wind up somewhere in the early 20s, I think. And what about the stocks down? Come on, give me someone. Is it Hancock? We talked about Hancock, and I do think Hancock definitely is stonks down. But the Oof. guy that we're going to talk about... Oof is the Texas high school righty, Jared Kelly. And if you looked at some some rankings from a few months ago, Kelly was a guy who might have been a top 10 pick in this draft. He was the consensus uh, first prep arm off the board. And now it seems like a couple of other high school arms in Mick Abel, who's number 15 on my big board, and Nick Bitsko, who's number 17 on my big board, have leapfrogged Kelly. Kelly does have a really nice pitcher's body. He's a little thicker built. He's 6'2", 200, with uh, like legs like tree trunks. He generates easy velocity. We're talking 93 to 96, who's going to top out at 98 right now as an 18-year-old, with advanced feel for his fastball. His best pitch is a changeup, which is part of the problem here with Kelly, is that when teams are going to be uh, taking a risk on picking a high school arm, and high school arms are the highest risk uh, profile in the MLB draft. They want someone who's got a little bit more of a well-rounded uh, arsenal. They like breaking balls as the primary out pitches rather than change-ups. And his change-up is really great. It's 82 to 84 with great fade and tail, and it's he can throw it in any count for a strike. But he really needs to work on that off-speed pitch. The slider is a work in progress. It might one day be a good major league pitch. I see him kind of in the Chris Paddock mold, uh, another hard-throwing Texas right-hander with a great changeup. But teams really don't love the fact that that changeup is the primary pitch here. And then there's also other reasons why he stonks down. And it's honestly part of the reason why a lot of high school players in this draft are stonks down, besides Veen, who we talked about earlier, who's just uh, an absolute monster. Teams are risk-averse this year because of the draft. We didn't really talk about this earlier, but we'll talk about it now. It has a lot to do with the pandemic and the shortened draft. Teams are shying away from the risk, first of all, because they only have five or six selections. They really want to get this right. If they don't get a pick right, especially in the first round, that could set back the farm system for years and years and years because they don't have guys in the later rounds who might shock you and, and surprise you. Like a Jacob deGrom was not picked in the first five rounds, and he's the best pitcher on the planet right now. You don't have that. So a draft class is really going to be defined by this first pick more so than usual. And not only that, but the high school guys did not play. The college guys 
actually had about a month on the field where scouts could see them. The high school guys, most of them didn't play at all. Kelly didn't throw a pitch this this spring. So they're going to be more shy in picking guys that they haven't seen play since the summer. This this is a little more iffy because these these top picks have been on teams' radars for years, so it's not like they haven't seen them. But teams are, for a level of comfort, are just not quite as comfortable if they haven't seen these players recently. And then the other thing is signability. And signability is a classic draft conundrum with high school guys. You want to be sure that you're going to be able to sign them because you don't want to waste a first-round selection on a guy who's just going to go to college. But part of the issue with this draft is not only is it five rounds, but they're also suppressing the bonuses that these guys are going to make because mm-hmm. the owners want to you know, save money. So the bonuses they're going to make, they're only going to make a maximum of 100 k up front with the rest of their bonuses, the rest of their millions and millions that they're going to make as first-round picks, deferred over 21 and 22. For a guy like Kelly, who has legitimately potentially dominant stuff, he might just say, if I'm going to have to wait a year or two for my money, I might as well just go to junior college, get drafted again next year. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a lot of signability risk, even more so than usual. He has a pretty strong commit to Texas, so... Uh, he's a guy that teams are kind of shying away from. I think someone's still going to throw a first-round first, first round pick on him. I don't see him sliding into round two. I think he'll probably still get picked in the top 25, but definitely stonks down on Jared Kelly. And Sam, be- before we let you go, I'm a Mets fan. You're a Mets fan, so, so level with me. 19th overall pick, where do you think the Mets go? I... Really like Austin Hendrick, and a lot of people really like Austin Hendrick, too. The West Allegheny, Pennsylvania uh, high school outfielder. The dude's a stud. I have him 13 on my big board, and we just talked about the signability concerns with a lot of these high school guys. Hendrick has them like even more so than most of them because he's older for his class, and so he's going to be a draft-eligible sophomore, so he's going to be able to get drafted again even sooner than a lot of the high school guys. So excuse me, he's going to be able to uh, ask for a little bit more money. So even though he's probably a top 15 pick, I can see him sliding to 19. He's a stud, man. He's got plus-plus raw power. He's got a really nice swing. He's got elite uh, bat speed, strong arm. He's going to play right field. I really like Austin Hendrick. I think if the Mets pick Austin Hendrick at 19, I'm going to be really happy. If it doesn't happen, if he gets picked before then, I think they're probably going to go with one of the many college arms um, probably the highest uh, upside you can hope for in the college arms that's going to go in that, that range is uh, Georgia right-hander Cole Wilcox. So keep an eye on those two names for the Mets. Sam Lebowitz, make sure you guys follow him at Lebo My Ego or his professional account at Sam Lebo 14 Sam, we've got to talk about that real quick, man. Professional account, man, two different Twitter accounts. <laughs> you know you have to talk to about that. <laughs> you're just you're boosting your own numbers. Oh uh, yeah, that's, that's it, not. It makes, it's not okay. It's not okay. It stonks down, Sam Lebowitz. Stonks down. <laughs> stonks Sam down. We've declared it. <laughs> but for Sam Lebowitz, for PJ Clark, for Tate Sigworth, I'm Max Shire. Make sure you guys like our video again, subscribe to our channel, turn on notifications, and follow our Twitter at Boom or Bust Draft because Sam is dropping a top twenty big board very, very soon for the MLB draft, which is on Wednesday. So have a great night.